Okay, good morning. We're ready to begin. Parshas Mitzorah, page 620. 620. If you thought Tazria was difficult to make interesting, then uh, you never saw Mitzorah. So uh, we'll do our best here. Actually, it is very fascinating, like all Torah is. Page 620. 620. Okay, rather than giving an overview of the Parsha, there's really no overview necessary because the entire Parsha deals with the same thing, which is namely the... Um, the cleansing, the purification process of the mitzora, the individual we spoke about last week who um, is contaminated with a spiritual leprosy, not a physical dermatological leprosy, but a spiritual leprosy for having violated one of uh, many of a number of uh, prohibitions in which he receives instant feedback, physical malady and ailment that corresponds with the spiritual uh, violations and transgressions. So just as... Just as the ailment is not physical but is spiritual, so too the refua, so too the healing is not something which is physical. In other words, you know the old joke about dermatologists. You go to a dermatologist, they only need to know three things. If it's wet, dry it. If it's dry, wet it. And otherwise, put cortisone cream on it, right? So, My father-in-law is a dermatologist. And I can tell you, God bless him, he's a phenomenal dermatologist. I've never ever asked him a question. No one in my family's ever asked him a question that the answer was not put a little cortisone cream on it. So anyway, so the Mitzorah goes to the, the Mitzorah were to go to the dermatologist, he wouldn't answer put a little cortisone cream on it because it's not a physical ailment. It's not psoriasis, it's not dry skin, it's not whatever other dermatological ailments you could have. It's a spiritual ailment. So just as the contamination is something which is ruchni, which is spiritual, so too the healing process is something which is ruchni. And our parsha goes through exactly that uh, healing process, what happens to allow him entrance back into the camp, and then um, what allows him to uh, seven his week of purification, the karbonos that he offers at the end of it. And then the parsha ends with some more miscellaneous laws of the Zav and the Balkari, the uh, Balkari, the uh, individual who uh, who has an emission, um, and uh, how they become pure. Okay, so that's what we're going to examine. So let's start. Beginning of Perak Yedalad. Says the Torah, God spoke to Moshe saying, Zos this is the law of the Mitzorah on the day that he is purified. He's brought to the Kohen. Torah continues. The Kohen goes outside the camp to where the Mitzorah is located. Remember, we spoke last week. That the, uh, the Mitzorah dwells outside the camp. We spoke about Rashi quotes from Chayin Shmulavitz elaborates on the idea that the Mitzorah caused through his Lashon Hara an individual to feel isolated and alone. So the idea of Midah Keneged Midah that Hashem reciprocates. One has to go through a process. It's not a punishment per se, but it's a learning process. It's a rehabilitative process. So therefore the Mitzorah himself goes to sit to dwell outside the camp to be able to identify with loneliness, to understand what he did. So the Kohen goes out to him. And the Kohen sees And behold, the Tzara's affliction has been healed from the Mitzorah. And now the Kohen can give him instructions what to do. But on these two Pesukim alone, there are a number of questions. So tell me what bothers you. Again, let's read it. This is the law of the Mitzorah on the day that he is purified. He is brought to the Kohen. 
the Kohen goes outside the camp and the Kohen sees and the Tsaras affliction is healed from the one afflicted with Tsaras. Questions? Well, he's confirming the Kohen's not just he is seeing and confirming, he's observing that indeed that it is healed. But what bothers you? It says, well, it says we revive the coin and the coin had to go out. Good. So one question is, which is it? It says, and then Matzor is brought to the Kohen. And then the very next passage, the Kohen goes out. So which is it? What else? Why do we need the word Tihiyah in that first sentence? Is that extraneous? The witches? Tihiyah. Should be Zotara Matzor. Why do we have Tihiyah Matzor? Good. The word Tihiyah seems extraneous, superfluous. Should be Zotara Matzor. Why Tihiyah? This will be. Good. Yes. Khani. Yeah, it's also interesting. Why does the Torah preface it like these are the laws of the mitzvah? Just tell us the law, as it did in the last parsha. What's the? Okay, good. What else? Excellent. Should be reversed. It should be that the the tsarua, the one afflicted with tsaras, is healed from the negat tsaras. Not the negat tsaras is healed from the person afflicted with tsaras. Should be nirpa hatsarua min hatsaras. Or just venirpa. Right. That whole funny language seems very peculiar. It is healed. And behold, it is healed. What is healed? The negat tsaras. From whom is it healed? From the tsarua. It's, a very, it's structured in a very peculiar way. Also the word vinei. Like, yeah. I would also add vihuva la kohen. Vihuva kohen sounds like he's schlepped, he's dragged against his will. This mitzora, of course, you would think would want to be healed, would want to be able to return to the camp. Why? What's the story with uh, Vehuva? As if he slept, he's dragged against his will. And lastly, this is the law of the mitzora biyom tarasah on the day that he's purified. Well, if it's the day he's purified, why is he called the mitzora? And if you're calling him the mitzora, then it sounds like he's not becoming purified. So there's a long list of questions. Again, as this class is all about, it's an analysis of the text. And the goal is to create a sensitivity to the text, to ask not just to fly through the psukim and look for some nice drush, but to ask these questions to understand what grammatically is going on, what's really happening here, what's really happening. And the Mafarshim are all bothered by, by uh, all or some of the questions we just mentioned. Rashi, Zosti Torah Samatzorah, Malame Chein Matarin Oso Belaila. Yeah, this is the law of the Matzorah Biyom Taharaso. On the day of his purification, so Rashi deduces, you see from here, Gemara Megillah says, that you cannot purify the Mitzorah at night. It's a process that happens only during the day. Only during the day. Rashi uh, learns that. But look at the Kliyakar. He really examined this. Uh, the Orchayim is bothered by it. The Ramban's by it. Everybody's bothered by all the questions I just mentioned. But the Kliyakar spells them out the best. Akasav Karu Mitzorah Mashma Shua Dayan the Pasuk refers to the individual with the title of Mitzorah, implying that he remains afflicted. 
So how can then you say on the day that he's purified, if he's still a Mitzorah, how is he becoming purified? And if he became purified that day, that he's not still a Mitzorah. Well, I don't find that to be the most bothersome question, because maybe it means the Mitzorah mitz- going into the day, but this is the day when he will realize his purification. Mm-hmm. Okay. I understand, that's what I'm saying. Right. Correct. So he goes into the day as a Mitzorah, that status could change. Right, I, I don't find it the most so compelling question. Stay in until he makes yeah, yeah. And how can you say definitively this is the law of the Kohen, of the Mitzorah, on the day he becomes pure, if, when the Kohen sees him and sees that his wound is healed? It should have, began, it should have started totally differently. Should have been in the reverse. Should have been. This is the law of the Mitzorah. The Kohen sees that his heel, his wound is healed, and then Biyom Taraso, and then it becomes the day of his purification. How can we refer to it as the day that he's purified before we know that he is indeed ready to be pure? Mm-hmm. And why does it say he's brought? Is it against his will? The very next passage is The coin goes to him. So which is it? Does he go to the coin? Does the coin go to him? What's the whole language, the peculiar structure of the language of uh, at the end of the Pasuk, and behold, he is healed from the affliction of Tsaras, the person who had Tsaras. It reads in a very strange way. So the Kliyakar explains. I'm sorry, we had the behold before again with the Kohen. I don't know, it's. Okay. So we'll get to that, we'll get to the Kohen's role in a second. You can say also, you know, the Kohen, you know, goes out of the camp there. And then they bring him there to where the coin is. Right, so maybe they meet somewhere. Where, where, you know, where the Mitzvah is. Right. Right. So that's what the Sforno says. If you look at the Sforno, El Makom Karov Chutzlamachana, Sheyuchalakoin Bechavadu Bli Rav Torach Lalechas Laroso. So it means that a place close to outside the camp, so the Kohen indeed goes out of the camp to see him, but he doesn't have to schlep all the way to where this individual is isolated, they bring him. So you're right, they meet somewhere in between. That's the Sforno says. Yes. Notice that Olkanos translates Mitzvah with Zgira. So it comes from the word. He's locked away. Yeah. He's alone, locked away. So the Kliyakar continues. Biyar Adavarhu. Kliyakar says, here's the explanation. As he explained already previously, and this is the theme that the Kliyakar is going to take throughout this entire Parsha. Shatsaraz Balavonos Yiduim. Saras is the result of certain violations, well known violations. V'shem amaka tzaras, v'shem amuka mitzora. The name of the affliction is tzaras, and the name of the afflicted is mitzora. Kilashin mitzora motzi ra. Shemotzi kara also on esteres bekirbo elachutz legalas ra also bekal. Why? Why is he called the mitzora? So we typically think mitzora comes from motzi shem ra. He speaks lashon hara about others. The Kliyak has a different play on words. Mitzora is that he's motzi ra, motzi kara also on esteres bekirbo. He reveals all of the wickedness that is within him. And he reveals it to all of his friends in the camp. In other words, people have all kinds of thoughts. We all have thoughts. We see someone and we think of some juicy lashnar about them. We think of some thought about them. We have some judgment about them. We have some reaction to something that they've done. We have thoughts. We're accountable to a certain degree for our thoughts. I don't want to let us off the hook for our thoughts. But there are thoughts. And to a certain degree, one can't help but get their thoughts. 
But we're supposed to have a filter. And we're supposed to prevent our thought from every thought that we have to come out. Not every thought that we have do we need to say. So this Mitzorah is Motzira. He reveals, you know, we all have moments of jealousy or we all have moments of judgment or we all have moments of whatever the case is, of desire. And, and we're, again, we're supposed to have a filter. We should be ashamed or embarrassed. We should, be challenged. we should be struggling with those thoughts. This individual didn't struggle. He brought them out to the public atmosphere, to the public sphere. This individual is Motzi Ra Masha Bekirbo. Everything that was inside him, he brought his Mitzorah, he brought it all out. V'shem Tzarasu Lashem... Couldn't Bekirbo even in his community, and he talks to the other people about what's going on there. Yeah, but it says Motzi Kol Ra'asa Hanisteres Bekirbo. It's in his community. No, Bekirbo means in him. El Achutz Legalos Ra'asa Bekal. V'shem Tzarasu Lashem Sara Ra and Saras, so the individual is the Mitzorah, he's Motzi the Ra that's inside him and he brings it out, and the affliction he has is called Saras, which is from Tsara Ra. Ratzalama Ra Shehik Tsara. It's an evil which is like a plague. Kemoshama Razal Umitsau Raos Rabos Vitsaros Shem Kitsaros Zulazu, Kemozibura Vakrafta. Tsaros also means that they are related to one another. Kilamaka Zu ain't true for Bederachateva, because this affliction does not have a antidote in the natural world. It's not just, again, as I said, you don't put some cortisone cream on it and it goes away. It's the result of a person having no intimidation, no filter, no inhibition from sharing whatever thought pops into their head. The person who immediately speaks whatever thought comes into their head with no inhibition brings out evil because they incite jealousy and they incite a conflict and they incite isolation. And what's the affliction called? What is it that the Kohen identifies and sees on one skin? A nega. What's a nega? So we refer to, we, we describe, uh, translate nega as a blemish. But what's lingoa? What's the verb? Touch. To touch, but more even to violate. And it means, the Kliyakar says, it's called a nega because the individual, through their conduct and through their actions, has violated kavod shamayim and kavod abrios. They have violated human dignity and they have violated their godly spirit. And therefore the tzaras forces him, even against his will, to come to the Kohen to receive Musr. In other words, it's a very different kind of ailment with a very different type of healing. The ailment is revealing or confirming what's really going on inside you, the wickedness of one's ways, the challenges that one faces. In the healing, you know, men notoriously don't like to go to doctors as it is. Imagine if going to the doctor was going for a Musr shmuz. Imagine if going to the doctor is the doctor saying, it seems that you've spoken a lot of Lashon Har, you really need to work on that. Had he gone on his own, his own volition, had this individual gone voluntarily to seek out and attach himself to a teacher, a Kohen, to draw from the Torah of his lips, to be a student of Aaron, who is the symbol of loving peace and pursuing peace, and not to create conflict among brothers through speech, 
As loya bali de tsarazu, had the individual gone to the coin to begin with, this never would have happened. The fact that he didn't go when he was healthy, when all was well, so you understand what the Kliyakr is saying so beautifully. First thing he answers is the language of he's brought to the Kohen doesn't mean he's dragged against his will. What it means is really the individual should be going to the Kohen all along. What brought him to the Kohen? Having Tsaras. It's like an individual who never went for their annual checkup. They never went when they were healthy to get the doctor to evaluate what's going on. And then they have a heart attack. And they end up... So the doctor comes and he says, Oh, the heart attack brought you to to my office. In other words, even now, you're not here voluntarily because you want to be, because you're in pursuit of healthy living. You're here because you finally had the heart attack. You had no choice. It brought you. So that's the language. This individual really should have pursued the, the teachings of a coin earlier, before they were afflicted, before they were stricken, when they could have learned how to be careful with their mouth. They didn't. And therefore, it's only the resulting tsaras that ultimately forced them to have to come. So the Kohen is the symbol of a teacher. That's the role of the Kohanim. Kohanim are the teachers of the Jewish people. The Pasuk and Malachi, that the, we pursue Torah, that you, you try to seek Torah from the mouth of a Kohen. The Kohen is the symbol of a teacher. And the idea that the Kohen is the one who both diagnoses the affliction as well as heals it is because the Kohen is the person that you should have gone to to begin with. Because the Kohen is the symbol of the teacher, the Kohen is the symbol of what's right, the Kohen is the symbol of discipline and self-control, he is the symbol of who you should have gone to to begin with. Continues the Kliyakar. It's on the day that the individual realizes, you know what? I, I, got, I, I need to change my life. I got to turn it around. I'm sick of living with this tzaras. I'm sick of being outside the camp. I'm sick of, of being the individual who, who uses my tongue so, so sharply against others. So that realization, that inner transformation to want to lead a different life, again, you can, the metaphor in the physical realm is the person who is clinically obese or high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and their illness and their ailments have weighed them so down that they're just sick of leading that life and they're finally ready to turn it around and for healthy living. So they finally go to the doctor and make that appointment. So this individual finally is willing to turn it around spiritually, not physically. Spiritually is sick of being spiritually lethargic and spiritually lazy and spiritually undisciplined and therefore turns it around. So he comes to the Kohen. And the language of Uva, he is brought to the Kohen is not referring to a physical journey from one place to another, but means he is brought by his feeling of wanting to transform himself. And that's why it says, who said, somebody had pointed out, Khan, he pointed out, why is it introduced those Torah, Samatora? We don't find that often. So the Kliyakar is suggesting, since the rehabilitation of the Mitzorah includes pursuing the Kohen to teach him Torah, because what's the antidote to this affliction? Torah teaches us the disciplined life, 
how to leave an ethi- how to lead an ethical and moral, elevated, enriched, purpose-driven, meaningful life. So it's Torah, which is the antidote, is the medicine. So Zostia Torah Samatzora. This is the Torah of the Mitzora, the medicine of the Mitzora. Biyom Taraso. So now reread this whole pasuk. The Kliyakar is rereading the whole pasuk. This is the Torah, the medicine of the Mitzora. Biyom Taraso on the day that he, the Mitzora, decides. He's finally ready to become Tahor. And he's brought by this new desire to the Kohen. You see how he rereads the whole Pasuk? Incredible. Incredible. So now the Kohen goes out to the camp because he senses this individual is serious about transforming himself. Virah Kohen of the Kohen sees, and indeed Vina near Pa, he's healed. Indeed, his very desire to transform himself, to change his way of life, to improve and become disciplined, reveals that he's healed. And what was healed? The Nega. And where did the Nega come from? Atzaras min means to say that it's not the individual, but it's his actions, it's his deeds. So the Kliyakar says that the unusual language near means that the individual, why did they transform themselves? Not because they had an epiphany and said, I want to be different. But it was only this experience, they hit rock bottom. They had this affliction. Sometimes, you know, there's people who have a heart attack and leave the hospital and go have a pastrami and club. It's not, not everybody who has the affliction learns from it. But hopefully you have the affliction and you transform your life from it. And even though it took the affliction to transform your life, nevertheless it's still considered virtuous that you embraced it and that you ran with it. And that's the language, nega hatsaras. What was healed? The nega hatsaras min hatsarua. It's the tsaras which forced the tsarua to become healed. Not that he did it on his own. So through this comment, the Kliyaka reinterprets the entire Pasuk and gives it some, uh, makes it a little bit more sense. So again, the Svarno gave a different answer. That which is it? Does he go out? V'huva el is the, the Mitzorah come to the Kohen or Vayatza Kohen Menamachana? And the Svano said, both. They meet somewhere in between. The Kohen leaves the camp. Tzara, why does the Kohen leave the camp? This is very important. Because he needs to see the Mitzorah. I think there's something more meaningful to it also, which is that the Kohen, who is the teacher, who is the rabbi, who is the leader, needs to be willing to go to the person where they are. He needs to find the lonely person and go out of the camp. Not just wait for the individual to call them and make an appointment with them, but they have to be willing to go out to see them also. Why, when Miriam was afflicted with Saras, yeah. the coin didn't do anything. I know. Moses had to daven for her. Yeah, the laws of... Uh, it's a good question. What was the question? With Miriam and Aaron, what happened there in terms of her actualizing? Yeah, it's 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 Miriam is a little bit uh, different than unusual. Yeah. Yeah, but Okay, So now we get to the actual process. So the Kohen goes out, and the Kohen goes out. 
And what's the uh, the process? He uh, the person become purified takes two live clean birds. What does it mean? Live and clean. We'll see Rashi in a moment. He takes shnei, He takes eight arrows, which is cedar wood, and shni tolas and crimson thread and azov. Azov is hyssop. What is hyssop? What is it? A plant. Okay. So look at Rashi. So let's keep going. So this is the, the, the mitahir. Mitahir. Mitahir means the person who was afflicted, who's becoming purified, takes two clean kosher birds and cedar wood and a crimson thread and hyssop. V'tziva ha'koein v'shachat es ha'tzipor ha'echas al-kli cheres al-mayim chayim and the Kohen commands, and the one bird is slaughtered into an earthenware vessel on top of spring water. And as Hatsipur Achaya Yikachosa, you take the live bird, and then you take your cedar wood, crimson thread, and hyssop, and you immerse them. You immerse them in the blood, you put the live bird, dip it in the blood of the dead bird that was shechted on top of Mayim Chaim, a spring of water. And then the Kohen sprinkles seven times onto the person being purified. He shall purify him. And then you let the live bird free on the open land. The person is purified, immerses his clothing, shaves off his hair, immerses in the water and becomes pure. And then he can enter the camp, but he dwells outside of his tent for seven days. Okay? This is not his purification process. He remains Tomei. He needs seven days. But this is what grants him a license to re-enter the camp. Two birds, one is killed, it's dipped in, the, dipped in the blood. The live bird is dipped in the blood of the dead bird. Cedar wood, hyssop, crimson thread. Obviously there's a tremendous amount of symbolism. <laughs> and then on the seventh day, on the seventh day, and then on the seventh day, he shaves off all of his hair, his head, his beard, his eyebrows, all the hair he shaves off, and he immerses his clothing, and then he... Uh, he goes in the mikvah and he becomes tahor. Right. And then on the eighth day he brings karbonos and that's the final process, these karbonos that he brings. Okay, so let's go through some of the symbolism, what's really going on here. Yes. He mentions shaving twice. Yes. So it's before and after. Yes. Does he shave himself and then the Kohen shaves him the second time? No, it doesn't say Kohen. No Kohen. He shaves. All right, let's, go. let's hold on, let's go. Let's go in order. So back to Pasuk Dal, look at Rashi. He has to take two birds. What's the significance of the symbolism of these birds? So Rashi says, He's got to take two living birds. What does it mean living as opposed to what? Dead. No, not as opposed to dead. It means, because what are you going to do with two dead birds? It means as opposed to trephos. What's a trefa? Well, we use, we use trefa in the Yiddish sense. We use it as a Yiddish word to mean it's trefa, it's not kosher. But a trefa literally means it has a disease or an illness that it can't live 12 months. Oh, really? Wow. They can identify certain symptoms to know. But that's why we also, Penny, that's where the notion of glot, checking the lungs 
for a hole to know whether it could have lived, whether it was a trefa. Sometimes you only know whether it was a trefa. You know only when it was a trefa afterwards. So anyway, so you take living birds that are could live more than 12 months. In other words, they're not uh, terminal birds. Taro, taros, tahoros, they have to be kosher. Prat la'uf tamay. Now why, continues Rashi, the fisha hanagoyim ba'in alashin hara. Shu ma'isa pit pute dvarim. Leficha chus kukula taros and tziporim shem efatfatin tamid b'tzifts of kol. Birds, what do birds do? Chirp, 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 chirp. So why do you bring birds? Because this individual walked around chirp, 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 chirping. So the symbolism of bringing the bird, Gemara and Erchen says, Rashi quotes the Gemara and Erchen, this guy chirped like a bird, he sang like a bird, and he didn't stop talking, he or she, and they didn't stop uh, speaking and spreading Lashon Hara like a bird, and therefore all that chirping, the symbolism to remember that is part of the rehabilitation is to take birds. Ve'et Erez, and why do you take cedar word? Because a second reason, cause of this affliction is arrogance. Eight eras is a big tree. It is the highest and the tallest of all the trees. Cedar is the highest and tallest of all the trees. And therefore, you, uh, you use specifically cedar wood. Again, it's a reminder that you violated the symbolism of this tree that you thought you were above everything else. And Shnito Laas, Lashon Shotzemer Tzavua Zahoris. The symbolism there is a uh, crimson thread. Okay, so it's a reminder. Who does this? The victim or the... Yeah, the, the, the Mitaher. The person does... The person, the Mitaher, the, the individual seeking rehabilitation. The Ibn Ezra also tells us, Eitz Erez Ve'ezov, Hu Agadol the Katan B'minei Hatzmachem. Eitz Erez and Ezov are the greatest and the smallest of all the vegetation. What does? Ezov kill. Ezov kill. Oh yeah? Ezov is hisset. So you have the cedar wood, which is the most accomplished, the greatest of all of the vegetation, all the vegetable, not vegetable, the vegetation world. And the Ezov, the hisset, I guess, is the lowliest. I'm not sure what the Ibn Ezra means in this enigmatic statement. Maybe someone could fill me in. The Mitzora and the house which are, is afflicted and the Tumah one gets from contact with dead relatives, they are like the Pesach Mitzrayim. I don't know if anyone has any ideas, let me know. The Ramban, the Ramban disagrees with Rashi. Rashi had said, you remember, the Nagayim come for Lashon Hara, so this bird chirped, and therefore, that's why you bring in birds. But were these actual afflictions to the person? Physical? Sure. My question is, therefore, the, the Kohanim never, uh, it never transferred? It was not contagious. No. It wasn't contagious. It's a misnomer. The individual is not kept outside. You know, lepers today, a person, God forbid, suffers from leprosy, it's highly contagious and you're isolated. They go into isolation. The Mitzorah doesn't go to isolation because it's contagious. It's not leprosy. It's something else. Anyway, the Ramban has a whole discussion where he debates with Rashi where the word Sipur comes from. 
Um, who does Tzipor refer to? Is it only kosher birds? Is it all birds? You know, Rashi said Tzipor means kosher birds. The, the Ramban disagrees. He says Tzipor means small birds. Yeah. Shashem v'hanachon ve'enai says the Ramban. Shashem tzipor klal la'ofos ha'ketanim ha'mashkimim ba'boker la'tzavtefo l'shorer. Small birds that chirp in the morning that wake you up. Miloshen aram is tzafra. Tzafra in Aramaic means the morning. Tzafra demaratov is Aramaic for good morning. So he thinks tzipor is a description of the small birds that chirp to wake people up in the morning. Okay. Yeah. If you contrast Ace-Ales in uh, Ezov, why did they put Shnitzelas in between? Yeah, that's a good question. I actually saw somebody talked about it. I think the... Uh, I think the... Kliyakar talks about it. Which is what I want to look at next. Look at the Kliyakar on Pasuk Dalit. Yes. I don't know the answer to that. Yes. I go camping. I get them. It's probably the owls. Okay, let's go. Kliyakar on Pasuk Dalad. So Kliyakar, remember the theme we spoke, he said before where he, tra- where he retranslated the entire Pasuk. So now look what he says. Lamala Parshas Tazria Kasafti Sheikar Atzaraz Ba'ashal Shaveris Haramuzim Beparsha. He says, I mentioned earlier that Tzaras comes as a result of three violations. Vehem, and they are, Lashon Hara, which is the most famous one, Gasas Ruach, arrogance, Vechemdas Hamamon, the pursuit of money. The pursuit of money. People who desire money. Nucha Lomar, so he says, based on this you can understand, Shatsiporim Mechaprim Ashloshton, that the birds... Um, achieve atonement for all three. Lashon Hara, Lefisha Osa Masa Patit. Because the birds chirp is Lashon Hara. Agasas Ruach Ha'ola Lamala Kitsiparim Kitsafram Afos. And Gasas Ruach that goes up like the birds that fly high. V'achemdes HaMamon Shnemar Ba'o Atiga Lahashir. Kiyas Yase Lo Knafem Kinesher Va'of HaShamayim. Lefisha Rova Mefarshim Erichu Lamanisam Parsha Zu Be'inyan Chet Lashon Hara Osif Gamani Lakach Tov Levar Mashatalim Mitzudosh Shekli B'Shalosh Achrozah Shematzim L'Razalim Dab Mechet HaLashon So he wants to say that most people mistakenly think it's only Lashon Hara but it's all three of these pursuits that result in Tzara'as He says I want to explain all three and then he goes on to write a long, long, long essay But shouldn't he then be required to bring an expensive korban rather than this is not a korban this is not a korban it's a mistake to see this as a korban it's offered outside the mishkan first of all it's not eaten it's not a korban it's a prerequisite it's a prerequisite to being allowed back into the camp he has to go through the symbolism of the two birds one living one dead the symbolism of the hyssop the symbolism of the crimson thread in order to have license to even come back he can't He's not deemed rehabilitated enough to re-enter society until he understands and taps into the symbolism of these three things. Yeah. Arrogance corresponds to the fact that they go so high up in the sky. Right. And what about the last one? That's the wings. Yeah, wings. Somehow wings. Quotes the pasuk from Mishlei. 
to fly like an eagle, so he can fly very high because he wants to. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So weiter. No, only one bird is shechted, one bird is killed through shechita, and the other, the live bird, is dipped in its blood. And does he is he alive at the end? Is he let go? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a son of problem because he let down Malik. Right. Yeah. Right. You should know that. Right? Yes. You should I'm just looking. The, the Kliyakar again has this long, long essay where it pays to pick up. I encourage you to read the Kliyakar on your own because he has a long, long. A hallmark. No, what he does basically is the Kliyakar goes in. It's not based on the Pesukim anymore, but now the Kliyakar goes and he gives a long essay about these three things, about Lashon Hara and about arrogance and about the pursuit of money. I think that, I think that the idea of the, of the wings is that somebody who uh, is, is enamored with money thinks that that's going to be That gives them wings everywhere. to fly. It's going yeah. to take them everywhere. And so this kind of... Kind right. Of right. Okay. I still don't understand who is it no, the Kohen Siva. The Kohen Siva. So the Kohen instructs him and then he takes these things. The Mitaher. The victim. No, not the victim, the Mitzorah, the individual who has Mitzorah. We no longer, I guess the Kohen and his assistants bring it to the individual. But he, he's no longer called the Mitzorah because it's Yom Tahar Aso. Now he's called the Mitaher. He's an individual in the process of purifying himself. There's a lot of, we don't have time, there's a lot of symbolism of why you kill one bird and then there's the living bird and the living bird is dipped in the, in the dead bird. But again, I think the symbolism is that you kill somebody with your, with your speech, with your chirping, you kill the other one and the dipping in the blood and, and so on and so forth. What's interesting is that the Kliyakar takes his theme all the way through of the three. Again, the Kliyakar views the whole Parsha, all of the, the, uh, the notion of threes as being part of these three violations that Lashon Hara, arrogance, and the pursuit of money. Because he talks about why is it the individual shaves their hair and then um, lost the place, sorry. That's Pasuk Zion, somebody asked. He dips it seven times and then he sends the living bird to fly away onto the field. Then he sends the living bird away. Then he, he um, immerses his clothing, shaves his hair, he immerses, and then he can come into the camp. He waits there seven days, and the seventh day, he shaves his hair again. And now the parsha, now the Torah spe- uh, specifies. But isn't it the seventh Rosho, Zikano, and Gabos Eino. And Gabos Enov. Saro. He shaves the hair of his head, his beard, his eyebrows, and all of his hair. Once you're going to say all of his hair, why do you need to say these other things? So Ibn Ezra says, as kol saro, Certainly the, the hair of his legs, and some say even the hair of his arms. But if you look, you'll see the the uh, the Rashi says the Gemara. That it only means 
When it says he shaves all of his hair, it doesn't mean all of his body hair. It means any revealed body hair, similar to the head, the beard, and the eyebrows. But why specifically those three things? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Same thing. Same Torah. I think so. Really. Look at Miriam. Yeah, look, uh, what yeah but, but they didn't shave her hair. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Look at the Kliakar. Kliakar says, why are these three examples given of shaving the head, the beard, and the eyebrows? So the Kliakar says, V'achakach prad, it's Rosh Hashanah, why the Torah specify specifically these three things? Because they are similar to the three um, violations for which one gets this result. As Rosh shaves his head, Shaves his head because he wants to be the head of everything. This individual is so arrogant, he thinks he's the head of everything, he thinks he's above everybody. So therefore he shaves his head. Why does he shave his beard? To shave the beard means to shave the hair that surrounds the mouth. And therefore that's a kapara for Lashon Hara. And to shave the eyebrows corresponds with the eyes that are jealous, that see pursuit of money, that see everything through the eyes of, the filter of, of wanting to amass and to accumulate more money. So you see, for the Kliyakar, the whole purification process follows the, uh, the symbolism of the individual needing to rehabilitate himself to see uh, on these three areas. Then on the eighth day, he brings two korbanos, shnei kvasim t'mimim v'kapsah achas, bas shnasah t'mimah, shlosh esrenim, salas menchah, b'lo v'shemen, v'lo g'echad shemen, and on and on and on. And the Torah tells us if he's too poor, then he substitutes the, the uh, he substitutes the uh, carbon. He doesn't bring that. We, I unfortunately have to end a little bit early today. I have to end here. But the, the if you spend more time in the Mephorshim, the Archaim and so on, you'll see, again, the... The Torah is not filled with arbitrary random laws. It's not that he brings these birds and these specific things and shaves his head because this is some voodoo religion. It's not a voodoo religion at all. It's a magnificent symbolism that as he's, being, as he's rehabilitating himself to recognize exactly where he went wrong and what he needs to do to correct it, he embraces these things that will uh, guide him along the way to understand as, as symbols. But what I want to leave with you is that first Kliyaka we saw, the idea of Ahuva el of not waiting until the affliction has to bring us to changing ourselves, but being proactive to wanting to change even before we get to that point.